Welcome to Cal St. G Academy, the educational podcast of the Parish of Calvary St. George's. These podcasts are intended to inform and deepen your faith so that you can share your faith thoughtfully with the world around you. For more information about the parish, go to calvarystgeorges.org. And now, break out your moleskin prayer journal, and let's get started. The Creed is a four-week series of Cal St. G Academy. Each week, we'll take an informative and edifying look at the Apostles' Creed. These talks are recorded live every Sunday at Calvary Church. It was still dark when the first cock crowed outside. I was exhausted. They kept us awake all night, and we were all so tired. I could barely keep my eyes open. But when the cock crowed, they grabbed me under my arms and lifted me up and took me outside. And it was just the first trace of light beginning to appear in the sky, and they led me down to a flowing stream. They stripped off all my clothes. Then someone came with a big jug of oil and grabbed me by the shoulders and turned me toward the west. And while they were holding me, this person said, Do you renounce Satan and all of his works? And I renounced them. And there I was, naked, and oil was poured all over my whole body till I was dripping with oil. And then I was turned back toward the east and led down toward the flowing stream. And standing there in the water, I was asked three questions. The first question Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? And as soon as I choked out the words, I believe, someone grabbed me by the head and thrust me under the water as if to drown me, and then lifted me back up again. And I was asked the second question, do you believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, crucified under Pontius Pilate, dead, buried, and risen on the third day, ascended into heaven, who will come again to judge the living and the dead. And again, I sort of squeaked out the words, I believe, and again, I was shoved under the water, only to be lifted back up again. And while I was still gasping for breath, I was asked a third question, and do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the communion of saints, and the resurrection of the flesh. And I said a third time, I believe. And a third time, under the water, and back up again. And then when all the other people who'd also been stripped of their clothes had gone through the same thing, we were dried off, we were dressed, and we were led back into church where we were given bread and wine. Well, what I just described to you is a first-hand account of a baptismal service from either the late 2nd or early 3rd centuries. So, late 100s, early 200s AD. And it's in a book that's come down to us by a man named Hippolytus, a book called The Apostolic Tradition, and you can read about it if you if you'd like. And there's a whole lot more in that book. It's a really fascinating book uh, from a really early age of the church. 
And it talks about this whole elaborate ceremony of baptism back in those early days. And this ceremony, it points to the ancient roots of the Apostles' Creed. If you'll notice, the words that were asked, the questions that were asked, they're not exactly the Apostles' Creed, but they're very close. So you've probably heard it said before that the Apostles' Creed itself, in its final form, dates to about the 7th century, maybe a little after. But that's just a few things inserted. What we have is the Apostles' Creed, for the most part, has been there since pretty much the very beginning. What's interesting about it is that unlike the way we oftentimes think of creeds, maybe the Nicene Creed, uh, an emperor comes in and says, here, we're going to solve the division of the church. Let's make a creed. This is a time when Christians are not in power. Christians are often a persecuted minority. And yet, in this indigenous church, this church that's connected by all these different places, by essentially letters and word of mouth, in the West, this was all over. Irenaeus says, you will find this confession all over the church. So the next time you hear that creeds are only a result of a top-down, this is what you're going to believe, the Apostles' Creed is a wrench in that easy theory. So this creed, it comes from baptism. And if you were here last week, you'll remember that there was a baptism. And you'll also remember that this the same question and answer format is how we baptize in liturgical churches even today. There's this call and response. And why is that? The Apostles' Creed is the Christian Pledge of Allegiance. We all kind of grew up saying the Pledge of Allegiance to America growing up. This is what that was. And these people who would be baptized in this story, they would be baptized at the Easter Vigil. And this would be after months of instruction. For some people, not just months, but for years. Because the people in the church had to see if you really understood what you were getting yourself into. In these days, when there was communion, uh, essentially they'd close the doors to all who weren't baptized. And this wasn't because we're like, we don't want you in here. There's a number of reasons for that. One, this is still a time where if Christians, if they're found out what they're doing, if someone tells the right person, that whole flock is in a lot of trouble. But on the other hand, too, and we still do this today, right? Jake and I, right before communion, all baptized Christians, regardless of your denomination or where you're from, are welcome to receive communion. Here, they took seriously that to take of the Lord's Supper, you have to take it in a worthy manner. Now, some other day I'll talk about what that worthy manner means. Essentially, it's baptism. Uh, but it, it's interesting to me that this really was, you can imagine being a part of these, you know, Christianity is essentially kind of a sect at this point, a persecuted sect. Uh, it's not very popular to come and join this. Even when, people, when Christians weren't being uh, killed for their faith by royal edict, there were all kinds of persecution, all kinds of ridicule. 
And yet, people were drawn to this. Um, you can see how even too, the, um, these people were not told that they were going to be baptized. These people weren't even told what the ritual was. That's why this guy is so shocked and recounts it. This is what happened to me. I thought I was being drowned. Uh, I went and partook of the bread and the wine. So baptism is a very serious thing. The creed, a very serious thing. It is a more than a list of what we believe, a summary of Christian belief, or a summary of the story of faith. It's a pledge of allegiance to the God of the gospel. It's a pledge that Caesar may say he's Lord, but he is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. It is the pledge that whatever it is in our lives that run them, that are our many lords, in fact, they are no lords at all. Jesus is Lord. Our loyalties to our race, to our ethnicities, to our gender, to this and that, relativized when it comes to our Lord. So this is intense stuff, but all I really want to talk about today Today's going to be kind of shorter. This is the intro in the next three weeks. We'll talk about the three articles, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and how this creed is about God, but it's also about the world, which gets really interesting, because the early church were world affirmers in a, cause, in a milieu where the world was something to get away from, to get out of, which is gross, disgusting. In um, the early church... They're calling for people to really pledge to their God, to their community. And yet this isn't something easily proven, right? Uh, we moderns have a real hard time with this sort of thing. Like, shh, prove it to me. Show it to me, and then I'll get behind it. And even then, I don't want to be exclusively devoted to that. I want to kind of dabble in everything. The early Christians are saying... Not only is the Apostles' Creed a summary of our faith, not only is it a pledge of allegiance, it's a posture to the whole world. It's a pattern for the disciple, to, for the baptized life. So what do we do about this? So the Creed, does, it says three times, right? It's a, it's a, we, we say, I believe, I believe, I believe. What do we mean by believe? This man here in this second or third century account says those words. He renounces Satan, says those words, and then is brought into the church. And then what I didn't say, because the story goes on for a while, at the very end, he is dismissed and says, go into the world and do good works. Again, world affirming. We need to go out there because Christ died for this world. What is belief? Well, belief is not just, well, I believe that the plant, or um, I believe that I've never seen it and can't verify it, but I believe the planet of Mars is real. Or uh, just kind of any kind of dispassionate, like, oh yeah, that's, you know, I believe it's there, even though I wasn't there to verify it. Um, no, belief here is a call to trust. And essentially, this class will be an invitation to trust. And I know it's really hard for us because I grew up 
uh, with a hermeneutic of suspicion. Uh, And for good reason, right? You've been duped. I've been duped. The last thing I want in the world is to be duped, to be taken for a ride. And we live in an age that is very suspicious. And again, rightly so. So this call, this invitation to trust, is no light thing. It wasn't a light thing then, and it's not a light thing now. Back then, serious persecution, serious ridicule, at times, death. Now, that same thing, but also we have this special distrust for any sort of authority, any sort of thing that's telling us what to do, what to think, what to believe. But we, when we say we believe, we are saying that we trust God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with all that we are. Another definition of faith is that we lean our whole weight on this truth. So, you and I are skeptical because we know that when our politicians make promises, we don't expect them to keep their word. And it's not just politicians, businessmen, marketeers, your boss, your Aunt Susie. You understand that so many, so much of the time, promises are made out of self-interest. Uh, that these words are oftentimes tactics to achieve other aims. And we're not just cynical about other people's promises. I've focused on that so far. We're also cynical about our own. We lack confidence in our own words. We make these solemn vows of lifetime commitment, but only after we sign an agreement. Our ability to trust has been eroded by the sad experience of these broken promises. Nevertheless, the Apostles' Creed, when we say the Apostles' Creed, we are reminded that life itself is founded upon trust. Not even talking about faith necessarily. Life itself is founded upon trust. The image of people going to baptism naked, I think is very powerful. You heard it a moment ago. You're you're so trusting that you're going into these waters completely exposed. Uh, We could never get away with this in our church today. But there is, there's that symbol of like, I I leave everything behind. This is either true or it's not, and I'm banking on it being true with all that I am. So we go to the waters of baptism naked in the other church, um, and there's this notion of a second birth, right? You're naked coming out of the womb. You're naked coming out of these waters. You're like a child completely dependent. We bring nothing with us into this world except life, And there's that same notion. All of your jewelry, any kind of foreign alien object was removed from you to go into these waters because all you bring is all that you are. It is a cry of total dependence upon the triune God. So again, why? Why bother trusting? So in in North Africa, uh, I've talked about this guy before, 
toward the end of the 4th century, so that's 300s, Augustine pointed out that life would be impossible without trust. Most of the things we know about in the world are really things that we believe based on someone else's word. We can't verify for ourselves if the events of world history have happened or not, but we trust them, uh, at least to a certain degree. We accept these words because it is just impossible to live completely in a posture of suspicion and cynicism. Society just could not function that way. We can't visit every location on a map to verify if they really exist, but we accept the words of others who've been there. We accept the pictures, we accept even though we haven't verified it. Uh, And closer to home, and this is where Augustine goes, he says, the family too, it's, it's knit together by trust. He says, I wasn't there to witness the moment of my own conception. If I want to know who my father is, again, this is before DNA testing and all that, I will have to take my mother's word for it, and I gladly accept her word. And I would say this for me as well. I gladly accept her word. I would prefer to trust her, ideally, than to seek independent verification. Unless I had real reasons for suspicion, it would sort of diminish me as a person if I went around trying to verify everything. So only by, according to Augustine, only by adopting an attitude of trust am I able to live and flourish as a human being. We're all about flourishing, right? Without some kind of posture of trust. How could we flourish? Not just as individuals, but as a society. And Augustine goes so far as to say, without trust, we would be unable to do anything in this life. And when you really think about it, What would you be able to do without the posture of trust at all? Now, again, unfortunately, not every family is an exemplar of loving trust. Uh, Not every parent chooses to be trustworthy. Uh, But Augustine's point is that we don't have the resources to verify everything for ourselves. Social life is woven together by threads of trust. Um, And if I really wanted to live without trust at all, I would have to remove myself from society and live in total isolation. Uh, and even then, would, would you be able to function without trust? I would have to rely on the tools and technologies that I did not invent and I don't fully understand. I would need to, at some level, trust the work of others. So I, I think that the tragic uh, quality of life Uh, Again, I'm not trying to diss a hermeneutic of suspicion altogether, but there is a tragic quality that comes from the fact that human beings are not always trustworthy. And yet, we can't live without trust. And the gospel, and what we'll go over in these next couple weeks, holds out the promise to you and me of a completely trustworthy God. How do we verify that? We can't prove that. We're called to take that upon faith. But Augustine, once again, he has a surprising answer to the question, can we verify it? 
He says, surprisingly, he says, yes, we can. He says, over time, we learn that God's promise is worthy of our trust. That God's trustworthiness is verified by experience. We don't start with verification. We start with trust. And this trust leads to experience And this experience leads to knowledge of God's trustworthiness. So Augustine says this, and maybe you've had people say, I don't know if I can go to church. I don't know if I can say the creed. I don't even know if I believe it. Well, Augustine says, if you can't understand it, if you can't wrap your mind around it, just show up. Believe. And then you'll understand. I think a lot of times we have that backward. I have to know it all. I have to understand it first before I can take the leap. Augustine's saying, believe in order to understand. Um, And I think it's really interesting that these studies of these scientists who've had these remarkable breakthroughs, these breakthroughs that people were like, wow, this is not possible. Uh, The studies have shown that these scientists have come to their experiments and their studies with that same posture. This notion of belief before they could verify, before they could understand. Now, when Augustine says believe and then you'll understand, Augustine is a really smart guy, philosopher. We're still wrestling with what Augustine has written even today. He's not saying that Christian belief is this complete irrational leap in the dark. He he says this, and I like this image. He says, it is more like Tasting a dish that you've never tried. You've seen other people enjoying it. You've read the reviews. The chef swears you'll like it. So there are good grounds for trusting it. But you'll never know for sure until you've tried it. The psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Is good. Show up. Say the creed. See if it's verifiable. See if it if God is trustworthy. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The first act is an act of trust that give, gives rise to an ever increasing proper confidence, which in turn nourishes a deeper and more knowledgeable trust. So. As we'll see in the upcoming weeks, the Christian faith is full of many mysterious things. It talks about things that I can't immediately observe or verify for myself. As we go through these statements, how can we prove the truth of them? How could we know for sure? Well, Augustine says, take the first leap. Take the first step. And as you take that step, you will start to see the whole world through the eyes of God's promise. I start to live in an environment of trust. And then I learn from experience that God is good. So over the next three weeks, I hope, when I'm not telling you throw out all your suspicion, a lot of that is hard-earned and wise. It's wisdom that we've gathered. But maybe our complete posture of suspicion, and for some of us, cynicism, isn't healthy for us either. 
So this is an invitation to trust this God. Believe in order to understand. And we'll see over the next couple of weeks that the Apostles' Creed, sure, a summary of the faith, a summary of the story, a pledge of allegiance, a pattern for viewing the world, and a posture of trust. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Cal St. G Academy. All of these podcasts are recorded at live events and lectures hosted by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. Want to hear more? Stop by the church sometime and attend one of these events live. Or swing by one of our many services where we seek to rightly divide the word of truth week by week with sermons that always point to where we end and God begins. Find out more about all of our events and offerings by visiting calvarystgeorges.org. And if these free podcasts have meant something to you, and you feel led to support our ministry, head on over to calvarystgeorges.org slash giving and make a donation today. Thanks again, and we hope to see you soon.